This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Hopefully you've been able to enjoy the sunshine or maybe a vacation or maybe vacation is right around the corner. After all, these are the months to enjoy the outdoors, the pool, the ocean, fireworks and barbecues. But unfortunately, it's also the season you're most likely to make a trip to the ER. Yes, all that summer fun can come at a cost. But today we are here to help you enjoy it safely with everything you need to know to respond to summer emergencies from ATV accidents to drowning to heat stroke and everything in between. We have your prescription for life for a happy, healthy summer straight ahead. and welcome to Prescription for Life. I'm Monica Robbins. We're in the middle of the 100 deadliest days. Yep, the time between Memorial Day to Labor Day is the most dangerous of the year, with more people taking road trips, more people on vacation, maybe a little more extra free time for the kids to get in trouble. We are going to talk to an ER doc about the most common reasons you are likely to make a trip to the hospital this summer and how to best avoid it. Plus, what to do in the most common summer emergencies like drownings. Did you know there's a specific color bathing suit kids should wear to make it easy for you to spot them in the water? Plus a cautionary tale about all-terrain vehicles. All of that ahead, but first, we do this tragic story every summer and you've likely heard it before, but it's worth repeating. 38 kids will die in the back of a hot car before summer is over. To drive this point home, I put myself in a hot car under medical supervision. Watch what happens. Parma Fire Department paramedics check my heart rate and my blood pressure. When I first enter the car, it's about 98 degrees inside, but not for long. After two minutes, my heart rate shoots up. You're already up to the, like the 140 mark, and you've only been in there a couple of minutes. So just think about an infant who can't control their thermoregulation. They're going to increase even faster. Three minutes in. Yeah, I'm sweating profusely at this point. At 15 minutes, my blood vessels are bulging. Your vessels try to come to the surface to get all that heat out by evaporation and sweat. By 29 minutes, there's pressure on my head. So one of the signs of heat exhaustion is a headache. After 40 minutes, Lieutenant Fetter enters the car to check my vitals. The interior is 120 degrees. Your pulse rate I just took by feeling it, it's about 155. And if we had an infant in here, that baby's temperature could be at 104, 105 right now, where they're actually starting to lose consciousness. It's 180 degrees off that dashboard, according to the thermal imager. My outer body temperature? You're up to about 117. Then he checks my internal temp. 101.1. All right, I'm... I, I think we're to a point where we need to get we out. Need to call it. Yeah. Okay. They take me into the station to cool me down and check my blood pressure one last time. Your blood pressure dropped 20 points. You're pretty close to heat exhaustion. Another tip from the experts, lock your parked cars in your garage or driveway. Kids have died getting into the parked car at home and not being able to get out. Now for some more advice on how to avoid summer emergencies, we turn to our Cleveland Clinic expert. 
We are joined now by Dr. Courtney Smalley, who is a Cleveland Clinic emergency room physician. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So summertime and the ER. I'm sure you see cases go up. What are the most common things you're typically seeing in the ER in the summer months? Well, I think, you know, the summertime is the most fun time of year in Cleveland. And so as you can imagine, people are out and about. It's warm outside, they're enjoying the water, they're enjoying the sun. And so we see a lot of the summertime injuries that you would expect. Um, again, people are out in their cars, people are on playgrounds, they're in pools. So um, those are the types of things that we see day in and day out over the summer. What are the 100 deadliest days of summer? And what does that mean? Yeah, so that's the time from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And this is a, is a very high risk time, especially for teen drivers. Now, as you can imagine, there's more people on the road in the summer. And so just by virtue of having more people on the road, you're at higher risk for having a car accident. Um, but that being said, people are out later. They may not be obeying the traffic rules. You know, other things that we see in teen drivers, especially with the 100 days of summer, is distractions. And so it's so important to sit down with your teen and talk with them about different distractions that can occur when they're young, new drivers. I always ta think about talking with my patients about cell phones. I think about number of passengers in the car and then the time of day that they're driving. Are they driving around really late at night when it's a little bit more difficult to see? And then lastly, just reminding them the rules of the road, making sure that they're stopping at red lights and they're looking at intersections and making sure they're looking for other things that may be coming in their way. We've had a number of people killed this year alone uh, in accidents in the greater Cleveland area because they're not wearing their seatbelts. Mm -hmm. And I honestly thought everybody knows to wear their seatbelt, but yeah. they, they they're not doing it. Yeah. Are you seeing that, an increase in that too? Absolutely, and I think, you know, again, it is so important that before you even turn that car on that you click that seatbelt. I know that the Ohio uh, police departments do such a good job of trying to make sure that we're getting this messaging out to the community, but please, please, please put on your seatbelt. It makes a difference. And also watch out for the, It's we call it, summer is actually orange barrel season in, mm -hmm. in our region. Yeah. I'm sure it's like that everywhere else as well. But we've had a number of construction workers who have been hit by cars. You talked about distracted driving and there's a new law in Ohio as well. Yeah, there's a new law about cell phones and being on your cell phone. And you can imagine that those people are out in putting their lives at risk as cars are driving driving by at 50, 60 miles an hour. And just a matter of respect to put down your phone and respect the fact that they're out there working to make our streets safer and better um, and to not be a distracted driver. I mean, it's heartbreaking when we see those incidents come through the ER. All right, one of the other big things we see, everybody wants to go swimming either in the lake or the pool, mm -hmm. but you see the tragic after effects of a lot of these things. What do you want parents to know? Oh, drowning is, as an emergency room physician, it is one of the toughest things that we see. I remember every case that I've had so far in my career, and I'm sure I'll remember every one forthcoming. Um, 
you know, there's, there's nothing more I can say than just be so vigilant around water, especially with young children. We know that the highest risk is children between the ages of one and four. And so there's a couple of things that you can do to prevent drowning. You can uh, get your kids swim lessons or get them around water safety. If there's a pool in the vicinity, making sure that pool is locked and the gates are high. Never allow your child, especially a child that can't swim, around any body of water without some sort of life, life preserver or life vest. And some of the floaties that we see are not always completely safe for children. So you really have to make sure to be vigilant. And it's not just pools, it's lakes, it's ponds. Um, so any body of water, it can even be bathtubs. Um, so it's just something that we really need to be vigilant to protect our, our young babies, our young children of the community. Is there anything parents should know first aid wise if they come out and they find their child in, in the pool? Yeah, so first and foremost, if you ever find anybody who's suffered from a drowning event, the first thing to do is, is call 911. Um, getting, getting first responders to the scene immediately, especially in a severe case, is gonna make a difference in outcome. After that, bystander CPR. Um, so getting, you know, after you've called 911, uh, you know, removing the child or the person who's had the event out of the water, getting them on their back and starting CPR. We know that rescue breaths and getting oxygen and ventilation makes a difference. And so the sooner we get the paramedics to the, to the side of the patient to be able to make those life-saving interventions can make a big difference in outcome. All right, silent drownings, dry drownings. It's been coined by the media. Where did all this come from? Yeah, so unfortunately there was a case, it was around 2017 of a young child who uh, the term dry drowning came about after they had an event in a, in a, a body of water and uh, it was thought that a week later they passed away and, and the term dry drowning or secondary drowning uh, came came to fruition. Um, in the medical community, we, we use that as a myth. We don't like to use that term because it really, it confuses, it confuses our community as to the issues with drowning. In the medical community, we think of drowning as a fatal drowning event or a non-fatal drowning event. And then within the non-fatal, there's mild, moderate, or severe. And so when we think about events of people who have an immersion or submersion in water for a long period of time. We, we think about their outcomes based off of whether they are pulled from the body of water and they're awake and they're alert, but maybe they have some respiratory distress and coughing. The, the moderate would be that they're confused. They're, they may be still conscious, but they are not um, uh, responding. And then of course, the most severe is that they're unconscious or not breathing. And in all of those scenarios, those patients need to be, come to the emergency department. And when someone, that case where the individual died a week later, yeah. was that even related to the drowning? Yeah, and so, you know, when we think about drownings, a lot of the times if something happens much later, we think about it as the possibility of another medical event. In that case, uh, that child had a cardiac issue, which ultimately was deemed as the cause of that event. Um, what really I want the public to know is that if, if there's an event and you're having, or the person that you're with is having any sort of respiratory distress coughing within those first to four, eight hours, that's a time that they need to be seen by a medical professional. The thought that something can happen a week 
week or two weeks down the line is really that myth that we've tried to dispel out of the medical community. All right, we're getting the heat is rising, of course. So t can you talk about the differences between heat exhaustion and heat stroke? And what do I need to do about it if it's happening to me or someone else? Yeah, so that's, you know, uh, it's, it's warm. The temperatures are going up. People are outside. They're running. They're exercising, getting all of their, you know, their heart going, which is great. Um, but unfortunately, we do see these cases in the summer. Um, really, the difference between heat exhaustion and heat stroke is, again, going back to their level of consciousness. People that usually have heat stroke are confused. Um, they may not be alert or oriented. Those patients really need to come into the emergency department immediately so we can start cooling therapies on them. Um, particular populations that are at risk for this is our elderly population who may be in uh, scenarios in apartment buildings or, or, or living situations where there may be no air conditioning. They may be living by themselves, taking care of themselves, and they may not see those early signs. So if you have people in your community that are particularly at risk for this, please, you know, be the good citizen and, and make sure you check in on them and, and look for those signs and warnings. After calling 911, is there anything people can do if you come upon someone who's dealing with severe uh, a heat episode, um, you know, cold water on them, what do you do? Yeah, well, you can do fanning and, and you can do kind of um, uh, cool um, washcloths, um, but ultimately getting them to a facility as quickly as possible, getting 911. I always urge people, the first thing to do if you're concerned is pick up that phone because we can get those interventions started so quickly. Don't go running for your fan first, go running for your phone. <laughs> Great advice. Also, another tragic thing we see often in the summer with relating to heat are, you know, parents who get distracted and maybe leave their child in the back seat. Yeah. Any advice other than, you know, please don't do that. Yeah, but obviously. Please don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, again, this is something that actually the auto industry has caught on to. And many of the newer vehicles actually have that alert in your car that says, oh, is there something that you left in the back of the car? Beep, 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 beep. Um, but many of our older vehicles don't have that. And so just being cognizant, um, you know, as somebody who has young children, and I remember the days of three car seats in the back of the car, just kind of remembering which children I had with me and making sure that they're all out of the car. My biggest recommendation is that it's really easy to say, I'm going to run inside and grab something or, oh, I forgot my, I forgot something in the house or I forgot something in the store. Never leave a young child unattended in a vehicle, especially during the summer when that heat can be an issue. Obviously, there's a lot of dangers around that. But what can turn into one second where you say, I'm just going to run in and grab my, you know, my cell phone and you get distracted and the next thing you know it's been 30 minutes and that can be life-changing those minutes can be can be a major detriment to somebody left in a hot vehicle unattended i always have heard great advice of like for a woman put your purse in the back seat yeah so you have to go you know wherever yeah. you get going or put your shoes in the back Something seat in the back seat um okay other big injuries that we see every year the playgrounds mm. um 
How do you know the difference? I mean, unless it's quite obvious and yeah. you're talking a compound fracture, but how do you tell the difference between somebody who just got banged up, maybe a sprain or strain and a broken bone? Yeah. Um, so kids are tricky like that. You know, sometimes, you know, like you said, when you see a kid and they have a, a playground injury and there's a deformity of their wrist or their elbow, I mean, those those situations are easy. You know, you're, you're coming in to see me. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes it's harder and and sometimes you don't see that outward bruising you don't see the deformity there and so um you know, I always, what I tell parents is that, you know, if you think it's a minor injury and your child is complaining of it six, 12, 18 hours later, they need to be seen by their pediatrician or by a medical professional at that point to potentially get an x-ray. Some of these fractures, you know, not the compound fractures that need potentially operative intervention, but some of these smaller fractures that just need a, a cast for four weeks um, are very difficult to catch. And kids are really good about hiding it. So just making sure if you've got a young child who, you know, the next day is still complaining of pain, go get that x-ray, go talk to your pediatrician. This is really in their wheelhouse. They do this day in and day out and they're wonderful at taking care of these young patients. And quickly, fireworks, keep your kids away from them. Yes, please. <laughs> I would love if no children went near fireworks. I'm, the big injuries we see with fireworks are, as you can imagine, hand burns and facial injuries. Um, and for some of these young kids, burns to the face, you know, have lifelong effects. So, um, you know, I always recommend to young families, there's so many wonderful firework displays around 4th of July. Go to a display where there's a professional running it First of all, their fireworks are far better than what you can do in your backyard. Um, and more importantly, it keeps your children safe. The sparklers in particular are ones that I really try to educate people around in the emergency department leading up to 4th of July. A lot of those have metal rods and those metal rods can get smoking hot, really, really hot, especially for a young child. Keeping your eyes on children the entire time, if, you, if you're using fireworks, never letting your eyes off and making sure that there is good supervision the entire time. Great advice. Dr. Smalley, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You heard the doc talk about car accidents and how the summer is the deadliest time to be on the road. It's also one of the deadliest times to be off the road. We're talking about all-terrain vehicles or ATVs. This story is from our Atlanta station, WXIA. He loves outdoors. He loves like most kids. He loves playing on his phone. He loves playing on his tablet. Josh Lambright calls his son James a typical 11-year-old. We live in the country, so he loves riding. And it was here, just on the other side of this creek, that James was out riding his ATV a few weeks back when everything changed. We went home probably three minutes, and my wife got a call. And Dustin said James has flipped his four-wheeler. As Dustin waited by James's side, Josh rushed to get to his son. And that's when I knew it was bad. I had no idea it was as bad as it turned out to be. James was airlifted to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, spending seven hours in surgery. Me and his mom came up here not knowing if he was going to be here. As temperatures warm and kids have more free time, ER doctors at Children's start seeing an increase in kids getting hurt while riding all-terrain vehicles. Head injuries, neck injuries, broken arms and legs, 
But certainly if the ATV lands on a child, we can see devastating internal injuries. That warning shared by the American Academy of Pediatrics. The group estimating around four kids are seen in an emergency department every hour for an ATV related injury in the U.S. Some of the dangerous things that we see children do on these machines include riding with passengers, riding unhelmeted, riding without supervision. James ultimately suffered 22 broken bones, a punctured lung and liver. As he recovers, his dad now hoping to spare other families the pain. Supervision, especially when they're little like that, is a big deal. And the protective gear. He's got the boots, he's got the pants, he's probably got a half a dozen helmets, and he didn't have a bit of it on. And finally today, you can help your kids stay safe in the water just by making sure their bathing suit is the right color. Yeah, lifeguards say there are certain bathing suits that make it very difficult to see your child underwater, and you obviously want to avoid those. Here's more from our station KFSM in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Water safety is so important. There are so many things we can do to keep our kids safe. Nikki Fleming owns Goldfish Swim School in Rogers. She and her staff are on a mission to teach kids and parents the importance of swim safety. We'll teach the kiddos how to roll onto their backs to float. We'll teach them how to climb out safely because there are different ways that they can climb out that's safer than some. Um, we'll also teach them how to tread water. Something you might not expect in the curriculum, how to choose the right swimsuit for your child. Fleming says there are colors parents need to avoid. We train our lifeguards to scan the water, and so they're looking at all the different layers of the water, and those blue colors, those whites, they really blend in with the water. So what are the best colors for kids to be dressed in when swimming? Experts say pink and green are the best for high visibility in the water. Brooke Lemoyne says this is something she practices with her two-year-old daughter, Blair. Shooting for bright colors so that they're easily visible to not only you as a parent, but to lifeguards is really important. It's made me as a mom feel so confident having her around the water. Along with wearing bright colors, Fleming says supervision is a must, even if your child is a strong swimmer. Just making sure you always have a designated guest um, or an adult to watch the kids. Um, somebody that's not going to be consuming alcoholic beverages, somebody that is not going to be on their cell phone, somebody that's really just going to be paying attention to those kiddos and keeping them safe. From supervision to swimwear, Fleming says these steps could be key to keeping your kids safe at the pool or lake this summer. In Rogers, covering news where you live, Lauren Spencer, 5 News. Well, we hope you learned a few things to help keep you and your family safe and healthy during these summer months. Henry James famously said, summer afternoon are the two most beautiful words in the English language. We hope you enjoy your summer days and you can find us right back here next week for another episode of Prescription for Life. Until then, I'm Monica Robbins wishing you good health. Thank you so much for tuning into Health Yeah. Please find me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Like and follow my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC. Find video podcasts at Monica Robbins channel on YouTube. And please subscribe. Wishing you great health and hope to see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.